0: Hey, Islanders, and welcome to episode 66 of the Kamano Voice. Today, I speak with the owner of co-host in Stanwood. Please welcome Kat Olson. Hi, I'm Brandon Erickson, and you're listening to the Kamano Voice podcast, where I interview folks around Kameno Island and beyond. If you want to stay up to date on events, businesses, and even hear a little history of this area, Subscribe to this podcast and share with your friends. Thanks for listening. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Kamano Voice, where we release a new episode every Tuesday. Uh, And as I mentioned on some previous episodes, um, I'm really trying to start growing the podcast, and so um, I need your guys' help for that. So if you guys have uh, listened to it and you've enjoyed um, a specific episode, if you could share that with your friends and family, uh, that'll help me get known by uh, some other local islanders like yourself. Um, and also, if you have any suggestions for other people to interview on the podcast, uh, or if you have questions just about the area or or whatever, uh, you can email me at voice at kamenocommons.com. So voice, the word voice, at kamenocommons.com. Um, so anyways, I look forward to hearing from you guys. But today, I get to speak with Kat Olson, who started CoHost about a year ago now. And the whole idea behind CoHost was that... Uh, everybody doesn't necessarily have a a big room or a big space where they can have people over, uh, throw a party or teach a class or or do any of these type of things. So the idea was that uh, Kat wanted to create a place where she could co-host events for people. So whether that was a birthday party, a yoga class, um, some educational stuff. So that was the idea that she started with. Uh, And like I said, they're located in downtown Stanwood. And then COVID hit this year, which completely threw her world upside down when it came to this business model. So she's had to completely adapt and change what she's doing. Uh, So we get into all of that and how she's adapted and how she's pivoted with everything. Um, But we also get into some of the marketing and stuff like that, that she's been able to do some of the things that she thinks is the most effective marketing strategy for this area. Um, And uh, yeah, kind of what she looks at for the future of co-hosts. Anyways, without further ado, here's my conversation with Kat Olson. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Command Voice. Today, I'm here with the owner of Co-Host. Welcome to the podcast, Kat Olson.
1: Thank you. I really appreciate you having me.
0: Yeah. So before we get started, tell us a little bit about Kat. Well, you
1: already mentioned that I run Co-Host in downtown Stanwood, um, which has been great. We've been open almost a year. We had our grand nice. opening last September. Yeah, Congrats. yeah. Uh, Thank you. It's very exciting. Um, but besides that, we moved to, um, Stanwood about seven years ago. My husband and I, we have uh, two kids, Oscar and Nora, who are, um, they would want me to say are almost six and almost three (laughs) because they're at the tail end. Um, yeah. And we bought a hundred year old farmhouse and I've been fixing it up and that's been great. We've got chickens and cats, uh, and are hoping to get a dog when our garage construction finishes, so we're just adding to the
0: menagerie. Very cool. Yeah. We are, uh, last night I was proposed the question of a possible dog purchase. My kids are all on board. My wife is on board. I am the, <laughs> the yes. block.
1: Yes, me too. Me too. Is it, is it dog hair? That's what it is for me.
0: No, actually, these ones don't shed. They're a, oh. what type of shepherd? antolian shepherd they don't shed apparently not okay well it was well, a it's a mix okay um okay. so and do you have a breeder in mind yeah their their puppies are already born <gasps> they are going to be ready in mid-october i believe oh my gosh yeah that sounds so. about right so anyways i am <laughs> i'm like okay the kids our uh oldest daughters are almost 10 oh, and okay. my uh one of them they're twins okay. one of them is wanted a dog since she could know what one yep, was that's and my daughter, so yeah. she is like I'm ready I can take care of it I can do everything like, <laughs> promises okay, promises she? <laughs> so
1: yeah so we um Oscar at his preschool they have um a bunch of stick bugs and okay. so he's been asking for a stick bug which is just <laughs> the weirdest request but I said if you can take care of a stick bug then we can maybe move you up to like hamster and yeah. then we can move to like just the leap into getting Baby a dog steps. right exactly well i was like he hasn't even fed the chickens in weeks so <laughs> i don't know how we're gonna do with this thing that needs constant care yeah but anyway yeah we're, you'll let me we're know where cats. you end up on this anatolian shepherd and if it sheds that's yes. a big one for me yeah yeah
0: yeah <laughs> Very cool. So where did you grow up then?
1: I grew up in Maryland, um, where it gets really skinny between Pennsylvania and West Virginia. It's a small town called Hagerstown. Um, We moved there when I was super tiny, and then I lived there until I went to college. Um, I went to school in Connecticut, to Fairfield University. Um, And then from there, it was just a pretty easy train ride to New York, and so um, I moved to uh, New York right after graduation. So um, loved the city even never having really lived in one, you know, like mm-hmm. when, when we were in, we is rural Maryland. So lots of farms and uh, farm stands. And we used to hang out in parking lots. I'm sure people in Perfect. rural, yeah, <laughs> people in rural America understand you just hang out in a parking lot. What? It's so yeah. weird. Um, but so we, when I, when I lived in Connecticut, I had an internship in the city and was like, oh gosh, I really want that. Um, so loved it. Um, living in New York, I lived in Jersey for like a year, and then it's quickly into Brooklyn, and I was in Brooklyn for ten years. Wow! Okay, yeah, which was really great. Um, I loved it. I always worked in Manhattan. My job was always in Manhattan, um, and you know, with a variety of commute lengths depending. Yeah. Um, but it was just—it was so great. I moved in. I moved to New York um, in August of uh, 2001, so like okay. three weeks before September 11th, wow. which was just nuts. Um, wow. As a you know, 21 year old uh, newly new transplant to New York. It was crazy. Um, but then I can honestly say it was amazing. You know, post nine 11 was really hectic and chaotic, but it really felt like a community. I think a lot of people have said that having lived there at that time. Um, and then, you know, we, uh, moved here in 2013.
0: So it was
1: a a good little while. (laughs) Okay.
0: Nice. So when you lived in, uh, Maryland then, um, how many siblings do you have?
1: I have two sisters. Two sisters. Yes. And I am the middle. Okay. Apparently that's obvious. I don't see it, but, um, I have an older sister, Alicia, who lives in Seattle and a younger sister, Emily, who is in, um, Boulder, Colorado. Okay. Yeah.
0: Hi, nice. So some of you guys ended up over here.
1: Well, kind of funny when, um, Christian and I started out here, we were going to kind of come out West and then keep moving East until we found a place we wanted to live. Okay. And I've heard that the summer of 2013 was a banner year for the Pacific Northwest, which is true. We were volunteering on a farm um, out in Eatonville, and it was just gorgeous. And we're like, why don't we stay here? This is so beautiful. So we bought the house, um, and then in May told my parents that I was pregnant, going to have a baby, and my parents who were living in Maryland said, okay, great, we'll get a house out there. <laughs> so, so now my sister is in Seattle. My parents moved last summer full-time to Mount Lake Terrace, Okay. and then we were up here in Stanwood, so now we're just waiting for Emily to ditch boulder and come out here nice (laughs) yeah
0: very cool um so then you what did you study in in uh, college or fairfield
1: fairfield yeah um i was an english major with a french minor Um, my mom is belgian so i learned french very young um and so really liked that um aspect of it i uh, was sort of focusing on the writing of english versus the literature side um which you had to make a choice, and I did um, and uh, it was a four- year program, fairfield's you know great great liberal arts school, mm-hmm. so I really loved that.
0: Nice. What was yeah. your kind of goal with English?
1: Well, I thought, you know, it was sort of the writing tack of Fairfield, that program is centered kind of a little bit around journalism kind of thing. So as you're, you know, senior stuff, and as you start mm-hmm. moving up, then you're writing articles for things and that sort of stuff. And I didn't love the reporting aspect of it. Okay. Um, I, my internship was at a magazine in New York. It was called MR Magazine. I don't know if it's still around. Um, menswear Retailing. So it was very much on the um, not on the consumer side of fashion, but more on the industry side. Okay. Um, so I did go to some fashion shows. I got to write some pieces about, um, you know, sort of flagship stores opening and things like that, but it definitely wasn't like on the scale of a Cosmo or a, you know, GQ or anything like that. Um, but it was great. It was a really big learning experience to understand. When I heard the word editor, I thought an editor was somebody that fixed somebody else's writing, but an editor is somebody that does the writing, you know, things <laughs> like that. Um, the internship was really helpful for that. So I was, I was hoping to write as a career, Um, when I got the degree and then quickly realized that, um, you write all the time. I mean, we all write all the time, whether it's a text or it's an email or it's a letter or, you know, you want to write a short story or you're trying to convey something in the written form. I I mean, we write all the time. And so even though I don't, didn't publish a book, I I don't, not writing articles, I feel that the background in writing just in general has helped me be able to communicate things more effectively and efficiently yeah. in writing.
0: Right. And, and actually, my brother-in-law, who now owns the uh, Comino and Coffee Roasters... I've
1: heard of it, yes. That
0: was... <laughs> <laughs> he was... Um, that was his background.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, where did he go to school?
0: He went to Pensacola, Christian, mm. in Florida. Okay, yeah. Um, and that's where my sister went as well, and that's how they met. Oh. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was... He was... Um, I was like, you started with an English major and now you're business owner. is like, actually, like, I can't, this yeah. is one of the best degrees for what I do. Yeah. Um It helped him in so much and like, you know, smoothing out and creating communication. And yes. All of that stuff. Like, it's just, yeah, we use English as our language of communication. So, of course. The- yeah.
1: When it's like, um I think Stephen King is, is the one that said it, but he talks about how if you want to be a good writer, you've got to be a good reader. Like, you really need to be involved in all the things Mm -hmm. about it. It's not just like, okay, I need to write a business letter. Where do I put the address and where does the, you know, to whom it concern go? It's more than just the format of it. Right. Because those kinds of things, you know, we have now the technology will do it for us. Yes. But also, you know, how do you construct a letter where you get across your message and things like that? I thought that that English was great. When I first was trying to pick a major, I was thinking about sociology. And my dad was like, that sounds like a really good minor. (laughs) (laughs) So, you
0: know. Yeah, well, and I, you know, my wife is definitely much um, more read than I am as well, but um, has always been a big emphasis on reading and writing and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And um, for me as a kid, they came more difficult because I wasn't a very good mm-hmm. reader as a kid. I have mm-hmm. uh, I have double vision, so like I was always reading, and there was two lines and yeah, words the words and, on the page yeah, yeah, very difficult to read. Um, so I wasn't a very good reader, and therefore, like writing was. I enjoyed actually aspects of writing, mm-hmm. um, like short stories stuff like that. Yeah. But the reading hampered that because my vocabulary everything was much less so
1: yeah yeah and and speaking of uh, the difference between reading and writing when I learned French at a very young age and then in high school my mom was like why don't you take French classes and I said okay sure no problem and she said you have to take this placement exam to place so that we can place you in the upper level since you already speak French and I said okay great and I couldn't write it I could kind of read it because I understood the English alphabet and knew sort of what a sound might be and could kind of piece it together based on whatever. But I couldn't write it at all. I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't understand that correlation. It came quickly because I already knew how to write and read English um, and I knew how the language I was supposed to use. But it was very disorienting to not be able to, to be able to speak words and to be able to you know communicate this way, but right. not be able to write it or read it it was yeah it was odd it was
0: bizarre yeah well and what i found too was um again like english and stuff like that was a harder subject for me in school but when i started learning spanish english made more sense
1: oh yeah Because you start okay. learning
0: how they do their struc- uh, sentence structure and like right. oh that's not how we do it here and you start looking back at english you're like oh no we we do it differently right and so it actually made English make more sense.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then even now, you could translate that very easily from you know Spanish making sense into all the Romance languages. You know, mm-hmm. Like French is the same way the adjective comes after the noun or whatever it is, yeah. you know, things like that. So you can kind of progress on, which is, I think what we're ba- both saying here is that education is important. Stay in school. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay, very cool. So then um, after university then, where mm-hmm. did you end up uh, kind of cutting your teeth and starting to work?
1: Yeah. So, um, I moved home after college and I got my job back at the Red Lobster in town, which is where I had worked all through college. And my mom was like, um, what are you doing? I said, it's summer. I've got my summer job back. And she said, oh no, this is the first <laughs> few months of the rest of your life. You need to go find a real job. And I, it dawned on me that it wasn't summer anymore. It was life. Um, so I went back to New York and I had a couple of um, agencies there, temp agencies. Um, job agency type things that were looking for work. And I got a job at um, a small tourism company that needed someone who spoke French. Um, and at the time I spoke a lot more Italian than I do now. So that was helpful also. Um, but so I, I, got a job there and within, you know, they said, can you start in a week? And I said, well, I have to give two weeks notice at my other job, which I'm sure the restaurant would have just been like, where is she? She never showed up for a shift today. Cause I could have <laughs> probably bounced, but I was being responsible. Um, so yeah, I, I, worked at, um, villas and apartments abroad, which I don't know if it's still around. I have to look it up. Um, but I worked there for a little over a year September 11th was kind of tricky with the travel industry. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Similar to probably now in in a different way.
1: Yes, exactly. Exactly. All these tragedies and traumas and, Oh my gosh. Life.
0: Yes. Yeah. I guess they get hit the hardest on these like big time event type things. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's kind of how you mark your life. You know, where were you when Kennedy was shot kind of thing? Like where were you on September 11th? We've got these, where were you during COVID at home? (laughs)
0: Yeah, That one will at least be easy. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right. So, um so you were there where'd you go from there then?
1: Oh gosh. Okay. So my my resume in New York is a little bit um well, it's long, frankly. I've had to edit it out so it's not a, so it fits on one page. Um, I kind of bounced around a little bit. I went from the Villa Place to a pharmaceutical company, which had its office in downtown, and then moved to New Jersey when they realized, like, oh gosh, real estate in New York is really expensive. So I was there. Um, it was a French company, um, Sanofi, which is now Sanofi Aventus, which I think is back to Sanofi. I don't know. Um, and then I, through that temp agency, um, got a job at Goldman Sachs. So it was all the way up on the on the top floor there, which was intense. And wow. that's yeah. Most of these jobs was as an executive assistant. Um, so an executive assistant is kind of like a, like a, I was going to say VP because not within the company, but to the person you're assisting. Right. So, um, you know, I would handle travel arrangements, travel management, figuring out the calendar, the meeting schedules. Um, I definitely got a lot of lunches, (laughs) never got the dry cleaning, (laughs) but, um, sometimes I booked babysitters. Sometimes I, you know, picked Christmas trees. One time I had to select a banister for his home remodel. Um, but wow, yeah, it was, and, and I really liked it. I like yeah. the event planning side of it, quote unquote, mm-hmm. you know, like the event of this person's life, making sure that they understand what time things are supposed to happen, where they're supposed to be at any given time, if they need to get there, how to get them there, um, things like that. So I did, I was an executive assistant most of the time. Most of my jobs were doing that um, all the way up until we moved uh, out here when I was at a hedge fund um, where I was an executive assistant um, for, oh gosh, I was there for five years, I think. Um, and that was really exciting and great. I loved that job. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So how was, so you, I mean, you had to run all the background, making sure that Mm -hmm. the person you were working for was able to get on time to do all their things that they're supposed to do. But, um, I'm assuming by in being in that world and stuff, was that something that you were like, were you, during that time period, were you interested in like, were you watching markets and things like that a lot more? Or were Not you... even
1: a little bit. <laughs> nope. Nope. It was so funny because there was a big, you know, confidentiality thing, obviously, because a lot of big things are happening. Right. Tiger Global is a very big um, hedge fund. Um, but I didn't pay attention to it. Frankly, I didn't have time and it wasn't interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me to grab a fax off the machine, which is dating me a little bit, but, um, <laughs> or, you know, receive an email that had confidential information. I wouldn't even have known what to do with it. And frankly, yeah. you know, it was, it was more my concern to make sure that, you know, his proposal to his now wife would go off without a hitch and, you know, making sure that the, um, lunch would arrive on time, things like that. Oh, and fun. it was great. You know, it's, it's not, it was a job that of, of the jobs that I've had, that was the one that I probably took home the most, yeah. um, because, it wasn't like a shift work thing where the, um, the job ends. Right. You know, when I leave, he's still living in somewhere and could be in the wrong place and could need a ride and could whatever. Um, so a little bit of Devil Wears Prada kind of vibe, but it was fun.
0: Okay. And were you married during that time? I was not. No,
1: we got married in 2012. We met in 2010, got married in 2012 and then came out here shortly after. Okay,
0: cool. So then, um, was it basically
1: Love at first sight? No, I'm well. just kidding. <laughs> this isn't a dating podcast? Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, um, uh, was it something that, like, you realize, like, once I have a family and everything, like, I won't be able to continue this? Or did you kind of naturally, did you move on before or after getting married?
1: Yeah, we, Christian um, worked for an ad agency, worked for a number of big ones in the city, um, and really liked it but we both had been in New York for so long and it just is very congested. You always see tons of people. I used to see more people on my walk to the subway than I see on a daily basis. Now COVID yeah. or no COVID, yeah. you know, like I'm on a subway train with 75 people, you right. know, like in my car there, yeah. like, it's just a lot If it's a lot. Yeah. Um, and we knew that we wanted to live closer to family. His family's all in Omaha, Nebraska. And my family at that time was really spread out. And so it felt like, let's give it a try. Um, I owned my apartment in Brooklyn at the time. And so we could do um, a three-year-in, two-year-out mm-hmm. thing. So I lived there for three years. So we rented it for two years and said, well, let's give it two years. If we hate the rest of the world, <laughs> then we'll come back. Yeah. Um, but if we decide to move somewhere else, then we'll just sell the apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what ended up happening. We kind of roamed around, realized, oh, you can garden on more than a windowsill? Oh, let's do that. You know, like, oh, we can have a couple chickens and eat the eggs and be, you know, more sustainable and things like that. So we decided to to give it a try, and then the try worked, yeah. I guess.
0: <laughs> Very cool. So then um, you were talking about you were in, over in uh, East what part of Eatonville. Washington? Eatonville. Eatonville. Yeah, on
1: the way to Mount Rainier. It's this okay. little, like, sort of logging town. When we decided to leave New York, we, well, we got married um, on a at a farm upstate New York, and it was just beautiful. Like, they did a great job with the gardens, obviously, if it's a wedding venue, right? Um, but it was beautiful. We loved it. And so I called my sister and said, oh, my gosh, I've got this great idea. Do you know what we're going to do? We're going to. Find a farm that's willing to take us on under their wing, and we will volunteer there. And she goes, it's called Wolfing. I'll send you the website. (laughs) And So I said, oh, okay. So it's WWOOF, and it's um, Worldwide Organization of Organic Farmers or Willing Workers on Organic Farms, depending on where you look. But so basically, you can volunteer as a farm to be a host farm, and then you can get volunteers to help you. Okay. So you could, you know, if you are a lettuce farmer, if you're a goat farmer, if you're a you know, even a home builder kind of thing, you know, you can get these volunteers that come from all over the world. And if you look on the Wolf website, you could go to Thailand, you could go to Japan, you could go to Southeast Asia, or, I mean, I guess all these papers, but we decided on Washington. Okay. <laughs> because my sister living in Seattle, we decided we'd kind of drive cross country, start here. And then, like I said, keep moving East. But, um, the farm on Eatonville in Eatonville is called Mountain Lodge Farm. They make delicious, delicious cheese Um, and, uh, we were there from June through December of, uh, 2013. And I'd like to say that we made any of the cheese, but we didn't. It was made by a fabulous, um, at the time it was made by a fabulous cheesemaker named Megan McKenna, who is still making cheese and doing wonderful things. Um, but so we lived, we worked there as, um, goat milkers okay i helped clean the creamery so much cleaning involved <laughs> in cheese making so much so much um and you know hung out met other people that were local and fell in love with washington state and it was just great
0: yeah so how was that as a change from what you got you both guys you <laughs> yeah. came out of like high octane <laughs> high adrenaline jobs yes. to farming how was that transition and yeah how was that
1: Yeah. Well, we had to pack up the whole apartment and put it in storage. So we basically only brought what we would have considered at that time to be our outdoor clothes, which was a lot of puffy jackets and black pants. And, you know, so we had to definitely um, revamp the wardrobe to be a little more farm friendly. Um, But it was great. We hadn't worked with our hands in that way in a long time. We both got carpal tunnel immediately. Um, and we lived in the barn. So there was a little upstairs apartment in the barn. It was a beautiful farm and you can still visit it. I think, um, they have farm weekends, but so we were up in the eaves of the barn and the goats were all below us and it was, you know, we were used to living in small spaces. So that was helpful, (laughs) you know, having a little apartment. Um, but it was great. We were, you know, newly married. We were in this new area. We were doing completely different things all day long. Sometimes he'd be fixing a fence and I'd be trimming hooves or whatever. It was just completely different. Yeah, And I think when we were thinking about leaving New York, it was sort of like, well, where do we go? And we have our own personal opinions about the other cities in America. <laughs> um, you know, Boston is too small and low-lying, and Chicago is a little too much this, and then, you know, Atlanta is this, and you know, you can go all the way down to LA if you really want to. Um, (laughs) but so the, the, when we were driving cross country and looking, so we basically, we got out a bottle of wine and a map and said, well, where would you want to move? And we both just stared at each other. We were like, I have no idea where do we go from here? Right. And so we said, let's try something completely new and different and not trying to recreate what we had in New York. Mm -hmm. Um, I like to say that we were looking for a change and we found it.
0: (laughs) Yes. Okay. Very cool. So how long were you guys living there then?
1: So we were in Eatonville for six months. We spent, I'd say, a good two months of that looking for property. Okay. Um, and Eatonville is way down Pierce County. So we were looking in that area and our real estate agent kept saying, uh, no, you want, the, uh, you want the Skagit Valley. So you really let me know when you want to go to the Skagit Valley. So we did. We finally came up here and we saw our house in Stanwood and a couple others all the way up to Cedro. Okay. And we just loved the house. We placed an offer on our drive home. It was nice. Yeah, we loved the area.
0: Very cool. So then once you guys moved here, um what was you guys had moved from the farm? Was it from the farm directly? Yep, from the okay. farm
1: directly. Yep. So mm. then what
0: was kind of your plan upon moving here and getting set up and everything?
1: Yeah, well we spent 2 months in a drafty old house with no furniture because we didn't have our stuff from New York yet. Um, but then we got that, we had to do some repairs on the house that were kind of not exciting, the lifting of the house cause it was sinking oh those no. kinds of things. Yeah, I know. It's just, it's money that you don't see, which is annoying, but we definitely feel it. Um, so we did a lot of house repairs and that sort of thing. Um, and then we were in the house. A year and had Oscar okay um and then uh Christian went to Microsoft and worked there for a while and then the commute was just brutal really long brutal yeah so that was no fun um but when I was pregnant with Oscar I worked at Garden Treasures Farm in Arlington okay and so we just kind of started feeling things out in the area
0: yeah so then um uh where when did you decide to start up with co-host then
1: so co kind of came about as an idea. Um, Christian does some motion graphics work still um, at agency type stuff remotely. Um, and he needed an office space because we live I don't know where you live uh, if you're on the island, but I've heard the internet out here is not always ideal.
0: Yeah. Growing up here it was it was terrible. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So we live we live in the country also, so we have satellite internet and it's terrible. Oh, no. And so for him to edit something with horrible internet right. is just like days, especially uploading whatever. So we wanted to look for a space where he could have an office and then just more the idea percolated of okay, well you need basically a half bath of room for your computer and your chair and you sit and you type. Yep. But there's this beautiful space on Main Street, and what if we what if we what if we and so we just sort of got the idea together to do something that would be um, community-based where we could have people in we could invite people to events um, have them plan their own events in the space um, that kind of thing so the the idea just sort of started evolving from the idea of creating a community
0: space okay so for those of you um, for those of our listeners who don't know um, how would you describe co host
1: so um, it's funny because September 2020, I'm describing it a little differently than September
0: 2019.
1: Um, But it's a community-based event space. So we used to co-host a full um, calendar of events with local instructors. So we would have a local flower designer come and do a design class or, um, you know, we had Deanna from twig and vine farm do a Dahlia tuber class. So figuring out how to split them, that sort of thing. We've had a bunch of local artists, um, and makers, um, come in and do classes on photography and on, uh, gosh, now of course, blank. Oh, we had a yoga um, instructor who came in twice a week. Um, so we did yoga. So we just pushed everything to the sides and had a little studio there. So we did a variety of things, um, invitation wise for for events. Um, and then we were also a venue for whatever event you would might want to hold. So we did, surprisingly, we did a lot of first birthday parties. Um, you've got a few kids, so I'm sure you remember the first birthday party as the one that like the grandparents come to and the aunts and uncles, and there's usually not a lot of other kids. And so I think that was kind of the dynamic. People were like, Oh, we need a nice place to actually like sit and have a meal where once you get to like the third, fourth kid, and also they're older, you're like, <laughs> backyard, we want to be able to hose it off. No, no, we're not going inside. Right. Um, so, so, yeah, so it was nice that the the sort of events portion, which would be like on a, you know, Friday, Saturday, mm-hmm. Sunday kind of thing, um, was able to sustain the business while we did some of these yeah. smaller classes and kids things, and right. we did preschool once a month, we did cupcake decorating workshops, wow. you know, we had a full calendar of stuff. Okay. So when people ask me now what we do, because we're not allowed to do any of that, um, we have a capacity of five, Okay. a limit of five. And I think wow. that, yeah, it's brutal. Um, I think that stems out of the idea that we're not a, um, retail space. So you don't have the turnover that would be inherent in like a Lowe's or a, or a target where they're at half capacity. And I'm not sure what yours is. Yeah. Yeah. We're considered, common. we
0: can have half capacity.
1: Yeah. So half capacity. Yep. And you know, the capacity of a 2,000 square foot space is hundreds, you right. know, which is what we have. So if we were able to have half capacity, it would be tricky to navigate the yes. six foot distance and all yeah. that stuff. So I understand it. But um, but being able to have only five people, that's me plus four. Um, so we had to do some, um, I won't even call it math because it was just like, all right, fine, we'll see what we can do. But um, we are operating now during the day as a co-working space. Okay. So we have a couple shifts I call it um, from eight to noon or noon to four. And you basically book it for, you can, you get a big table, you get, you know, Wi-Fi and printing capabilities and just sort of nice, quiet um, area to work. Um, and we're trying that. We can't okay. have more than a few people, so um, we can't really do event events, yeah. um, but we do have a Thursday evening happy hour. So you can kind of, you can book the space for that, okay, um, and then come, you know, bring your friends. We've done movie nights, things like that.
0: Okay, yeah, nice. How has the co-working been going?
1: It's been going okay. Okay, um, we are in currently recording in Huddle, which is a co-working yeah. space, um, and you have customers here, so so there's one difference. Um, it's been fine. When we first looked at doing um, co-host back, you know, a year ago. That was kind of the challenge is that we didn't know what to do with the space during the day. We didn't want to be sitting on Main Street having evening and weekend events with our doors closed. Right, right. So our initial idea was let's do co-working during the day and let's do events at night. The trick with co-working is that for it to be a more sustainable place, you need private areas. You need an area where you can record a podcast. You need an area where you can take a phone call, things like that. And. We can't, we don't own the building. We can't create walls. Um, If we do create walls, we have to upgrade the bathroom, which we don't want to do. So we kind of just created these individual spaces, which for the average person doing the average work, you know, you can still take a Zoom call. You can have your headphones on if you want to, you know, watch a video or something like that. It still works. Yeah. Um, But I don't know that there's necessarily the market in co-hosts or in in Stanwood to sustain it as a co-working space permanently.
0: Yeah. Well what's what's interesting in, in co working spaces and it's something that we've been trying to figure out as well is um I think there was there was this like almost boom of co-working spaces because everyone saw we work and was like, We can do what they do. Well, they kind of fell apart, you know, especially with COVID. But even before sure. that they there were some things coming out that like they weren't doing as well as they said and um all of that stuff. And then so we were kind of looking, well and, and that my thought was with that is that they went so far. Like it was like, it was a gym and coffee. Sh- it was like right. everything mm-hmm. in one, mm-hmm. which is a lot to sustain financially. Oh my gosh. Um, so it's like, how do you miniaturize that for the small town? Right. Um, and I do think coworking works on the small scale level mm-hmm. on the large scale. It probably can, but it does make it a lot harder to Yeah, uh, There's a lot more managing pieces to that.
1: Yeah. And the trick for us was when we were initially talking about it, um, describing co-working to somebody who just has no familiarity with it it's very much like oh i think my niece does that you know like there's no there's no scale for it scope for it so since covid and everybody's working from home it's basically that's a little bit easier to describe but for a while we were saying you know you can use co-host kind of like a starbucks without the coffee or you know like where you can have a space and then Or, you know, how you can go to the library and use your laptop, but then when you're using your laptop at the library and you have to take a call or go outside, you're, you know, staring in the window at your laptop make sure nobody's messing around with it. You know, like, it's not a secure space. Yeah. So... There's just a lot of, it's not just a, you know, sort of got it, understand what I'm looking at kind right. of thing. Um, so social media has been great for that, to be able to yeah. post pictures of what it is. Oh, that's how you use that. Oh, that's what that is. And that's been kind of exciting to at least be able to communicate that, you know, this is kind of what's happening, what's going mm-hmm. on. The trick with social media, as I'm sure you know, um, and have you been experiencing business-wise, is that you can post something that nobody ever even sees, right. you know, because their feeds are so full. Um, so we have, you know, we've, we've done a couple classes um, for, virtual classes since, um, you know, March. Um, and it's you know you're kind of pounding the pavement saying like here's this thing coming up here's this thing coming up because there's only so many avenues to advertise if people right. aren't around, and you still get the you know oh shoot when did that happen when was that and it's like oh my gosh I couldn't have promoted it more <laughs> you know but it feels like you know you feel like you're just screaming from the from the rooftops right. but it's it's very hard it's social yeah. media is great because if you see it you're very well aware yeah. but it's so easy to miss
0: yeah well and I um, I've talked to other people on the podcast as well about this and. Stamocameno area in some ways is almost just like it's it's back in time like five years, mm-hmm. um, and so the benefit to that is if you're up to date on upcoming on marketing, mm-hmm. you can kind of be like, okay, five years from now, I can use this strategy and it will work here. Yeah. <laughs> But what's interesting is like when you're trying to do these Facebook ads and marketing and stuff like that, a lot of times you're just getting crickets and you're like, "Right, I put so much time and energy into these posts and like, right. they're not, no one's responding. No one. And then people walk in and they're like, how long
1: have th- has this been here? I know. <laughs> I know. We get that all the time because we're in the old pinch knitters space, which okay. is a yarn store. Yeah. And we initially had, you know, some, some yarn artwork up in the window and people would come in going, where's all the yarn? I'm like, oh my God, she's been gone for six months um you know so just it it felt very uh it felt like we were announcing it and couldn't stop but then yeah. it was still you know kind of coming back to just getting getting the word out and honestly I hear about everything that's going on anywhere ever from my friend Connie. So if you know (laughs) Connie, she'll tell you everything that's going on. But it's a very big word of mouth town. If somebody hears something and they like it and they love it and they share it with their friends at barbecues or wherever or on social media, sure. But it really is a big word of mouth town. It is. We were very much looking forward to this summer being the same as it has always been, which it was not, Um, but because that's where you get it. You know, you get people that walk by, you get people, Glass Quest was great for us. I don't know if you even remember that it was so long ago. It was a
0: great Glass Quest. It's like people knew it was going to be terrible. I know. They
1: were like, let's lick everything while we can. But it was wonderful because we had, you know, a couple of the days, we had 150 to 200 people through our door. And on an average walk by downtown, you know, Stanwood Day, we're getting a handful, maybe. So to get a couple hundred in there coming in and being excited about, oh, here's this new thing, here's this new thing, which, you know, I wouldn't have said we were new, but fine, new to them, you know, (laughs) kind of thing. But it was great because they'd come in, they'd ask questions, they'd actually spend some time in the space. Oh, gosh, this is nice. Oh, what about this birthday party? You know, it was a really great time. So, we got the word out then a little bit. I think we kind of built a little bit of momentum that I'm trying to keep going while we're figuring this out and hopefully, you know, we'll come out the other side of it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So this has been, uh, yeah, I mean, that that's a massive amount of changes and pivoting that you have to do in a sh- one year.
1: Yeah, and it's it's funny because, you know, we've gotten some suggestions from people on what we could do with the space and it's some of them are just like, asking a restaurant to become a nail salon, you know, where it's like, yes, I could build all these walls. I could upgrade these things or whatever. But at a certain point, it's like in, in four months, is everything back to normal? And now I've done this whole other thing that I never really had an interest in to, you know, come back to that. So, you know, we're kind of treading water a little bit. We're hopeful. Um, And, you know, I think community support's been great so far. So we're just... Hoping it stays. <laughs>
0: yeah. No, and, and I think that is something that the Santa Camino area has really proven during COVID. Yeah. Um, it is very str- for its b- local businesses in mm-hmm. this area, um, and it's also very much supporting of the the businesses and the community here.
1: Yeah, and I and I feel like. Further to that is that you know we we do have chains here in Stanwood, but really you got to go to Smoky Point or Mount Vernon to get to any of the big big <clears throat> box places. Yeah, and I think that with the with the virus, it's kind of brought down the level of like, okay, I need a new pair of shoes. Okay, well I'm not going to go to the outlet malls. What does the country store have? You right. know, and like you can genuinely find a lot of the things that you would need. You might need to go to three stores. Um, but you're supporting local, it's probably going to be even sometimes a little bit cheaper or easier to get the businesses appreciate it so, so much. Yeah. And I think that that's been able to hit home a little easier here, um, than maybe in other areas.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I think, um, you know, we've been very, um, blessed with how we are, how we've been able to like have July and August have been really good for us. That's great. Um, and I, you know, it's really just the community support and just that Mm -hmm. continued, um, that they're supporting us because I I've seen the reports I've read the news you know articles and retail across the country is yeah. way down yeah you know any everything is just way down in, in so many different things everything that we are and and yet we're we're matching pace with last year on, on certain wow, months and that's so awesome. it's just incredible like that we're getting this type of support and we just really thank the community for that Um, yeah. So it's, yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's the community showing up, but it's also you showing up because, you know, you could have half the stock, you could have half of the, you know, your staff, you could have be producing half the amount of pastries and serving half the amount of ice cream and, you know, not have so many sweatshirts or whatever it is. But then, you know, I remember the feeling of going to Target and having the shelves be half empty, you know, whether it's cleaning products or whatever, especially in the, in March and April and just feeling so sad and depressed and not, understanding what was happening in the world, and really seeing it was very scary. I was just in the marketplace down there, and it is, I mean, you're doing great business. There's tons of stuff on the shelves. Everybody in there is happy, and we're all wearing masks, but that's genuinely the only difference, Yeah. and so you showing up and you presenting this thing for people to use and having a positive vibe about it and not a, you know, sort of eye roll towards this new thing that we all have to live through, and it's so bad, because, I mean, we are, Yeah, we are living through it. So, um, you know, kudos to you, too, for presenting something that the public wants and needs. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And no, I think it's um, it's definitely been I mean, we officially took over the business, my wife and I, in November of last year. So Mm -hmm. it's been an interesting first year for us, too.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Happy almost anniversary. (laughs) I know (laughs) you as well. Thanks.
0: Um, So, yeah. But. We, I think right before everything officially stopped, (laughs) we were able to have one of the chamber breakfast meetings. We were just trying Mm -hmm. that out for the first time over at your guys'
1: Yes, I didn't jinx it. I won't say that (laughs) I jinxed it. But yes, I, I thought about that because you know, we had breakfast pastries and we had a yogurt bar and we had yeah. all kinds of fun stuff, which was so, so great. And COVID had just kind of hit our wavelengths. And so I was very nervous, like, oh my gosh, are people not going to eat the food because it's been touched by whatever? No problem. Those right. Stanwood cupcakes went lickety split. Everybody loved them. Um, but yeah, that was the last time we had, you know, an event at co-host and the first time I met you. Wow. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, so Just because you're in that area as well, how has the rest of downtown Stanwood, I'm sure you talked to some of those owners, some of their businesses, how how have they been coping and and doing with everything?
1: Yeah, I think it's been a little bit challenging for everybody. I think um, the retail stores that I've chatted with, um, basically anybody that sells something that can be taken away, um, figured out as fast as they could how they could maintain that during the closure. So, um, you know, some of the clothing stores, Cupcakes, restaurants, that sort of thing, they were just like, great, we're doing takeout. We need to revamp our website or whatever it is. So further to that marketing piece, it's like, if you don't know that Ladder's Clothing is still open, you yeah. know, then you need to, you know, figure it out. Um, so she, she, Yvonne's been doing an amazing job. She was selling um, online throughout the whole thing and then she threw her door open on June 1st. So excited to reopen. Nice. You know, and Cupcakes too, and the Tea gal um, You know, everybody's just been, been full force. I think yeah. there was a genuine hit Um, when we had to be closed, you know, March, April, May was really tumbleweeds down main street. Right. That was hard. Yeah. Um, But I think in the spirit of trying to make most of it and now we're out of it and let's figure it out. I think, you know, sort of the vibe has come back up. The farmer's market is always, you know, nice to have to down
0: there. Yeah. Well, and that's been something here at the commons that the farmer's market has been such a, um, you know, we don't, I guess you don't realize how much you want to get out and, like, see people and Mm -hmm. all this stuff. And because every other type of event is canceled right now, farmer's markets are allowed to still be going. Mm -hmm. It was so weird the first time we had our opening market here. Mm -hmm. I, like, saw the tents out there. I saw some people wandering about, and I was like, I didn't realize how much I missed just having energy, you know, in the center courtyard.
1: Yeah, and just seeing people, you know, interacting and moving around and not feeling as encumbered as you do inside. I, right. really, I really think that, you know, our community at large, we've got a little bit of smoke situation right now, yeah. but I think our community is an outdoorsy community. You know, like Main Street is not covered. It's not a strip mall it, or not a... Um, a traditional mall. Right. You know, it's outside. Right. You have to be outside in the elements. Farmer's markets are like that too. Yeah. And I think everybody here moved here because they like sort of outdoorsy type things. Yeah. Um, even if it's just being outside. Right. Um, so the farmer's markets, I'm glad that they were able to come back. I'm a little bit nervous about the weather not being great in the next few months and sort of what that's going to do.
0: But yeah, yeah. And that's definitely my, my biggest concern moving into, you know, I was really, I think hopeful, I would say mm-hmm. at the beginning of summer that like, we would probably, and we were, we were blowing through the phase. We were like phase one, phase yep. two, and then it slowed and then it just like stopped. And I was like, well, if we don't get to phase four by end of summer, there's no way we're getting there. Yeah. Um, at least until next year. And then certain counties, I mean, I know Snohomish is a little bit behind. Yeah, on, I think are. they're in phase two still. Yep, we are. Um, but there's still counties across the state that are in phase one or 1.5. And then like, so this whole time you guys have been stuck and it's just really difficult for, I mean, I can't imagine for the businesses that are in those counties, um, yeah. and, uh, I know Stanwood kind of gets a bad, the, the short end of the stick there cause they're, they're a small town, but they're linked to a large city. So. Right.
1: Well, with, and with different rules. So yeah. where we have restaurants that you can't necessarily go into in the same way or the same capacity or the same, whatever, it's a 10 minute drive to a different restaurant on Kameno, where yeah. it is open, which right. is great for, you know, everybody who wants to go and eat and the restaurants on Camino, but it does. You know, if it's ver- takeout versus sit-in and that kind of thing, it can make it a little bit tricky. Right. Um, one of the things that, you know, you're asking about folks on Main Street, um, we've had a lot of conversations about the community support um, ebbing and flowing. You know, when it was initially, when everybody was panicky and everybody's sitting at home, there was not, you know, we didn't know what to do. Yes. And then it was like, okay, go to local businesses, buy what they have and do that. Okay, great. And then there was sort of a sense on June 1st, I think, that, okay, everything's opened up. Oh, good, they made it. You know, and and so the the current fear from business owners that we're talking about a little bit more is the idea that, like, we haven't made it. You know, like, we are not out of the woods here. Our door is open. We're really trying. Um, You know, the loans are hopefully for a lot of people helping out and that sort of thing. But it's the economic impact is going to be widespread yes. and lengthy. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the more we can sort of get off Amazon and stay out of target, my favorite store of all time, love target. <laughs> but you know, if there are things that you can get locally, yeah. you know, I, I think that will help for a long time.
0: Right. And, and I think that is something, um, you know, i I'm watching a lot of the, um, not watching the actual proceedings of the congressional hearing. Cause I think I would right, fall just sleep. fall asleep. <laughs> um, but there's some updates that I follow, some people that do updates and, um, just the, the widespread of unemployment and, yeah. um, people that aren't getting paychecks and like all these different things that are lining up that those all have an effect. I mean, they affect business. They affect the families. They affect, I mean, they're, yeah. they're just people that are trying to pay bill, like just try and mm-hmm. stay in their home right now. Right. Um, and so we are so far from, yeah, from out of it. Like, I think we've, we're like, oh great we're in this phase which means like we're basically there but like it's still a very long road and i think yeah um you know even us we're like we had a good summer but then what's the fall going to bring if we yeah. have another spike then that could close us down again and that would be you know devastating yeah. so um yeah it, it's really just continue to support local really um see how each businesses can help each other and i'm
1: yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, I don't need everything that everybody sells all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, I, yes. I don't always need those things, right. but the, the social media aspect of it, the word of mouth aspect is free, you know? Yeah. So I, I really encourage people, if you did get a great cupcake at Sandwood cupcakes, which all of our cupcakes are delicious. So that's easy to do. Make a post about it. Tell yeah. your neighbor, say, yeah. Hey, the next cake you need, why don't you go over there? Um, you know, anything that can be done to say, I enjoyed this thing locally have you heard of it? Yeah. You know, there, the Facebook groups, there's Stanwood Camino community page, things like that. Those Facebook groups have been great Yeah, because it's an easy place to see what's going on, see who's doing what right. and learn about new things. And then, yeah, you might not need this thing every day, but the next time you do, you know, you'll know where to go.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Well, sounds like you've had a very interesting yeah. <laughs> year. And,
1: I think we all have, um, sure.
0: <laughs> but um, I'm glad you guys have been able to pivot to, to some degree, and I yeah. hope that that really starts picking up. I yeah, do same think, here. <laughs> uh, I do think um, as parents really settle into the fact that their kids are in their yes. house and home, I think they will be looking for additional places to work. Yeah. Um, and, like, you guys have this great, um, by having that those quadrants where you can come for a certain time of day, mm-hmm. I think that's a great, um, aspect as well. Cause we, we do more of like a whole, like just you like buy the whole package, like, yeah and um, I think if someone just needs like that short, you know, certain period of time, like my kids are in like supposed to be in class during this time. So that's when yeah. I can sneak away and do these. Yeah. Um,
1: or even bring the kids, you know, we're trying to figure out a way to be able to homeschool in, in our space it's yeah. because we had a, we had a family come in the other day that they tried to go to the coffee shop and it was closing. They tried to go here, but the odd wifi wasn't working there's no option to go to the library starbucks nope. you can't sit in nope and you know, the, these kids needed to do their lesson and they were just kind of driving around. She popped her head in and said, can we come in? And I said, absolutely. Um, and so the, the idea would, we need to figure out how to do it where one family of kids is not distracting the next family of right. kids. You know, that's really or the that only that portioned
0: barrier. Off so that they're not.
1: Inter- yeah. You know. So they can't interact so that it's just a little bit more yeah. private because I know for me, you know, I'm cleaning off the dining room table and then I'm putting everything back and then putting everything out and yeah. that kind of thing. And we just have these big wide open spaces, plenty of chairs, plenty of room. Um, so if we can figure out a way to do it safely, you know in smaller blocks be able to clean and disinfect in between you know i think we'd be able to to help the community with the homeschooling too because god knows whoo it's a whole new thing (laughs) yeah
0: no it is and i think the other thing is that um all of this with the school system and everything i mean across the country it's really pointing out the deficiencies in internet equality
1: yeah big time
0: people just not you know having sadly even
1: even the difference between home and co-host like even for me and i don't mean that in any way except to say that like I don't have any more options at home. Right. Like we have exhausted all of them. There is not another way to do it.
0: Right. We yeah. just have
1: crappy internet.
0: Yeah, and it's not. It's not even a money. Like I've. I've talked to people who are like. I told Wave I will pay for yes. you to put the line down. Yes. Same. Just get us internet. I said. And do we need
1: to get our? We can sign a petition. Whatever they yeah. want. All of our neighbors are fists in the air. You know. We yeah. just we can't get good internet.
0: It's right. Terrible. Yeah. No. So it's. It's just mind-boggling that that's like in the 21st century like in 2020 this right. is what we're still seeing like right um and and with the internet being as powerful and an equalizer as it is right not having access it's like not having access to food and water at this mm-hmm. point it's like a very vital part right. to absolutely society mm-hmm. um so yeah i think if that if there's any way to get that homeschooling yeah you know, we're working be able on to it <laughs> yeah
1: we're working on it
0: very cool all right well i like to end every podcast with some yeah. rapid fire questions hmm so the first one is, uh, what purchase of a hundred dollars or less have you enjoyed the most in the last three months?
1: Okay. So I do love things, you know, I like cool cups and shoes and clothes and stuff like that, but, um, rainbow eats caterer in the area. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you know, Courtney Bowersaw she's wonderful, but she was doing frontline meals during the cri- initial crisis. And mm-hmm. so you would buy a, you know, pan of fajitas from her and she would also donate one okay, to the frontline with the hospitals um, down in Everett. And so I participated in that, you know, buying a, you know, $30 tray of fajitas and then let her do one. And these fajitas, okay, first of all, they're delicious, but it's a huge portion. And now she's doing those meals. She's no longer donating because, um, There doesn't seem to be as critical of a need for that. Um, But she is doing the, 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 you know, catered meals and we do it every other week. Okay. So every other Wednesday, today is my Wednesday. I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) But she has a little menu that she puts out, you know, it's four or five items and you can pick which ones you want. She delivers it to your house. Wow. So she brings it to you straight out of her cooler and into your fridge. And we've had pastas. We've had salads. We've had, if I order a pasta and a salad in the same week, if I'm feeling a little not like cooking, (laughs) I can get basically through Sunday. Like wow. you get, it's just, it's so much food and it's so great. And it's a little bit of a stress relief for me yes. knowing where my meal, you know, like the dinner is done. Yeah. Dinner is done tonight. Yep. Um, so yeah. And it's very reasonably priced and delicious. So awesome. that, that'd be my
0: favorite. Very cool. All right. Pretend you have a friend coming from out of town. Uh, what would their first t- uh, day look like here?
1: Well, first of all, I'd have to give them uh, directions to my house, which could take a while. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like everybody gets a little lost when they're driving through the country. Um, but we'd probably hit downtown because mm-hmm. all those little shoppies are so great. I always go. Uh, that's my first stop on Shop Small Saturday. You know, after Thanksgiving, you yeah. do the you do the Black Friday elsewhere, but then come down Saturday. Yeah. So we'd probably do this, and then we'd go to the other end of town um, because that's just amazing. Do you know Bryn? She just opened
0: Vita Verde Home. Oh, yes, so we have uh, their products in the marketplace. Yeah, so you have some
1: of her candles there, too, but um, she has just so much stuff. I was there the other day with my sister and bought some really lovely earrings. I bought a soap dish that was just gorgeous. Um, I bought some, like, face stuff. You know, it was just, it was so fun. So that end of town is also so, so great. I need Um, to stop by there. Yes, you must, you must. Um, I think she's open Wednesday through Saturday. Okay. Um, And then we'd probably go for sushi because I love Shima. Have you been to Shima? Yes. Delicious, delicious. Um, And then, I don't know, we usually just drive around at least for a little bit with people just kind of orient, and then people are like, is this an island? It looks like land. And I'm like, oh, it is an island. Don't worry. And it's a whole different county. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of do, do the whole tour.
0: Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. All right. Who is an interesting or fascinating person in this community that I should interview next?
1: Kate Songhurst. Okay. Of Happy Hollow Farm. It's right up the block from me. Um... I live just up the hill from Sylvana, so she's just a little bit further up the hill there. Um, They opened over the summer as an event and wedding venue flower farm whole deal. Um, We're getting to the end of flower season, so I know she's got a couple more tours going, where you can go and pick your own flowers, that kind of thing. Um, But it is meant to be a venue for things. So if you want, I think they're going to do a Super Bowl party. They're doing definitely weddings and events coming up. It's gorgeous. She has a big lawn, outside space kind of thing. You know, I'm an event space too, so I guess I should be promoting that aspect of it, but we're inside, and right now it's just not going to happen. (laughs) You know, come come spring and summer next year we'll see but in the meantime she's got this gorgeous barn her lawn is beautiful tons of great flowers just lovely nice yeah so she's um at happy hollow farm on um, instagram
0: okay very cool yeah all right and lastly if you could have a message on a billboard um i always say on camano island but it could be right as you're driving into stanwood as well what would that say
1: it would say vote on november 3rd
0: all right Everyone get out there.
1: Yes. And uh, I know we're all, um, we're a mail-in state, so uh, you were waiting for your ballots, but I just went on the website today just to reconfirm what I thought my suspicion was true, which is that if you don't get your mail-in ballot, you can print one online. Okay. So if you feel like it's been too long or you're not sure what the postal service is up to, that kind of thing, um, you can print one. So okay. it's uh, votewa.gov.
0: Votewa.gov. Yeah. All right. We'll have that link in the show notes. Okay. All right. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast Oh my gosh, this was today. so
1: fun, Brandon. Thanks for having me.
0: All right. And Islanders, I will talk to you on the next one. Well, a big thank you to Cat Olsen for joining me on the podcast today. And thank you for listening. If you haven't already, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. It really helps us be found by other Islanders like yourself. And for more information on this episode, you can go to Kamenocommons.com EP66. That's Kamenocommons.com slash EP66. Thanks for listening and see you next time.